Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and uh, we're going to be talking about Zephaniah. We're going to try to get through, uh, might even get through the whole three chapters of Zephaniah, but there's so many things that are addressed, kind of a remote sort of way in Zephaniah and some of these prophets, that uh, uh, there are just layers and layers of information here, but the problem is, is we have to pull off the layers and layers of misinformation that you've already accepted to be true. <laughs> and there there sometimes seems to be a lot more of those layers than there even is in the layers of prophecy. So when we uh, are looking at these uh, books in the Bible, somebody wrote me and I was just finishing up responding to them. Where they, somebody brought up the question of Sabbath and did you know that Sunday is after the, you know, Greek God or whatever, uh, nonsense that the people were following up. Uh, and, uh, they didn't really, they weren't really advocating that we all switch over to the Sabbath or, or, or Saturday or whatever. And I just pointed out that Saturday was also, I mean, the term Saturday is also from a Greek God, uh, and uh, the planet Saturn, but uh, which is a name also from a Greek god. But the reality is this is all just uh, playing into people's personal bigotry and vanity when we talk about these things in those, those terminologies. Uh, I just got another letter from the prisoner uh, that I did a whole page to answer his question and of course, instead of admitting that the question was nothing to do with the kingdom, uh, he starts off that it was actually a question from his bunkmate <laughs> who, wanted to, who wanted to debate the issue of was Christ in the tomb for three days. Now, I think it's fine to people to look these things up and kind of ponder them and maybe they'll come to some sort of re- revelation concerning the gospel. Uh, but it, it really, the gospel has nothing to do with whether you're three days in the tomb or, or, and three days and three nights in the tomb. That, that was for the wicked that that prophecy was even made to prove to them what they were doing wrong. What we should be concerned with is what we are doing right. I haven't read his uh, the prisoner's uh, letter which is looks like it's at least five pages long <laughs> he's got lots of time to write these letters uh, but I pointed out that I had received already four letters from him and he never mentioned why he's in jail to begin with why he's in prison to begin with we'll see if he does and maybe we'll talk about that on the afternoon show I've been in here for hours and and just just getting ready to do the show at the last second, trying to answer all the correspondence and emails and and what have you. And um, I've got a stack of things that I have to be doing. Uh, the, this is why Christ was so emphatic, why Moses was so emphatic, uh, why Jethro suggested that they create a network. 
And of course, we know that they were already creating a network, but they were, this new network would go over into every aspect of your life that, that was brought up by Jethro because they, even though they had that network, they weren't looking to that network. They were looking to Moses to solve all their problems and they were just flat out wearing poor Moses out. I've developed a great deal of sympathy for Moses in dealing with people who should be focusing on the network. I still have dozens and dozens of people who write me on a regular basis in emails and you tell them to join the network and they just keep writing me and they don't join the network. Uh, like I've got all this time to read all their emails and respond to all their emails and then they, some of me actually even complain if I don't respond quick enough, <laughs> which is astoundingly selfish on their part. Uh, but uh, still, and others are somewhat sympathetic, but they still keep coming to me. Now, what I may do is in the afternoon program, I may open it up to calls. But, of course, anybody joining the network, especially the living network, which is when you actually sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, like Christ commanded his disciples to make the people do, and we clearly see the early church doing, the early church would not have survived had they not done that because of the uh, dearths and famines that spread across the Roman Empire. Uh, Israel would not have survived if they had not done that, organized themselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. This was every aspect, their courts, uh, their welfare system, uh, their militia. Everything was dependent upon that, organizing themselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. The bonds of society, those social bonds of society that Malone was saying that uh, because we're sick, we have to recreate those social bonds. That's done in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's not done by sending me letters and emails. <laughs> that doesn't create any social bonds. That just makes more work for me. Now, I don't want to discourage people asking a question, but if you ask the question, I, and I, that's what our websites at Preparing You and His Holy Church are the product of thousands upon thousands of questions that have come across my my desk, my table, my phone, my email over the, the last 20, 30 years. As well as the questions that I was asking way back uh, 60 years ago when I was in the seminary. Uh, that I'm finally finding the answers to these questions. At least a vocalized answer to the question. The ultimate answer to the question is Christ. The light, the truth, the way. But that way is found when you start doing what Christ said. All kinds of people tell me they believe in Jesus, but they don't do what Jesus says. And he even asks, why call me Lord and not doeth the things that I say? So one of the things he said was to organize yourselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, to love your neighbor as yourself, that doesn't mean just the guy living next door to your house. But it means your neighbor in general. All your neighbors. If you only love those who love you, there is no gain. And Christ is clear about that. So anyway, this individual on uh, responding about the Sabbath, uh, 
you know, I shared with them the article I have on the Sabbath, which you can find at Preparing You. And uh, I went through a lot of that. I didn't go through the whole thing again, but I went through it. And uh, it's it's pretty clear in the first <laughs> um, sections of that uh, article that we have something drastically wrong in the way we think of the Sabbath. And we have, in our minds, we have created a pattern of thought that if I say Sabbath, you think certain thoughts about the Sabbath. You, you, you have a picture in your mind about the Sabbath. If I say the word scripture, you have a picture in your mind, uh, either composed in words or ideologies of what that word scripture means. And that picture in your mind has been created by all kinds of influences in your life. All kinds of events that are unique to you. Uh, people you've known, people you've talked to, things you've read, things you thought you understood. Sometimes things you thought you understood that you did not understand. But all these things together fabricate in your mind a, a, an interpretation of the words that you're hearing or reading. So like you're reading scripture, you imagine that you understand that scripture. You imagine that you are figuring out the secret, secret, hidden meaning of that scripture, <laughs> as well as the obvious uh, clarity of the scripture itself. But you, when you begin to read it, you are absolutely dependent upon all those things that have come before you read that scripture. You are dependent upon dictionaries. You are dependent upon... Uh, Teachings that you have received and accepted, you are, you're dependent upon all sorts of sources that are outside of scripture itself. And so anyway, when I wrote about the Sabbath and wrote about, and a person, one person came and said, well, you know, the God does not condemn you if you worship on Saturday or on Sabbath. The, uh, or on uh, Sunday, that this is not important. And I don't disagree with that. But what I disagree with is the fact that you think keeping the Sabbath has anything to do with a particular day of the week. Because it doesn't. Because the Sabbath is about a way. Which is why in the text, he tells you the way in which God created the world. And it's the way in which you should live in the world. And the way was that he worked first and then took his rest. Sabbath is about debt. It's not about a day. It's about debt and staying out of debt. Because if you go into debt, you, you may return to the bondage of Egypt and we were never to return to the bondage of Egypt. If you go into debt, you may become merchandise. If you go into debt, you may curse your children. All things that Peter talks about. Because you've, you've not only been coveting your neighbor's goods, 
You've been coveting your neighbor's goods from men who exercise authority and borrow against your future to give you benefits today. And, you know, even Rome was trying to implement that same kind of approach. They weren't very good at it. Most of the property tax was on the most property tax because, uh, you know, the, the richer, at least at the time of Christ, it was at the most, uh, you know, the, the people with large estates, it was much easier to tax them. Now, the individual income tax was imposed by Herod in a much more successful way because they were even better organized to some degree than than the Romans when it came to taxation. Uh, ta- the Romans had lots of different taxes, but they uh, th- they were a little bit more scattered because they were dealing with an empire and, and Herod was dealing with a rather localized uh, group, although his welfare system, his Corbin system of welfare, because that's what Corbin is, you sacrifice and that it provides funds for the temple and the temple and the network of synagogues, which were gatherings of ten families, would provide a welfare. Well, the difference between Herod's system and John the Baptist's system and Moses' system was that Moses and John the Baptist and Jesus Christ and the apostles took care of the needy through charity, through free will offerings. Herod took care of the needy through forced offerings. We see that in everything that John the Baptist says. We certainly see that in what Christ says. We certainly see that in what Peter writes about. But most people reading the Bible do not even make the connection that there's something wrong with looking to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other to provide you with benefits, which the Bible calls the wages of unrighteousness. Go into all the churches in Canada and Australia and and, uh, the United States and tell them that you fell on hard times and you have a great need. You need somebody to help you pay your rent. You need somebody... You know, you've downsized your apartment so that you're trying to afford things and and you want the church to help you out and they will send you to the men who exercise authority one over the other. Unless, of course, you're maybe Amish or something. But then you got to wear the suspenders and the hat and all that stuff. <laughs> so... Because somewhere somebody's going to try to exercise authority over you and make you wear their uniform or do things their way. But the idea that you just read the Bible, you just use the Bible for your private interpretation of the gospel and the prophecies, that's delusional. Nobody just reads the Bible. (laughs) Everybody comes to the Bible with preconceived notions and uh, ideas about what the Bible says. And much of what they think it says just ain't so. It's not what it says. You know, the, the individual said, they, I only go by Scripture. 
Nobody only goes by scripture. Uh, that is that is ridiculous. Uh, and uh, and they just were refusing to read the article. I don't know if they ever did. That there was nothing in their uh, communications that they were ever willing to even read the article. I'm sure they read all kinds of other things and have read all kinds of other things up to this point. But uh, they want to believe that they just read the Bible. Nobody just reads the Bible. Because somebody taught you to read. Somebody, some way or another, you learn to read. You have depended upon dictionaries. You've depended upon your image of history. Uh, we can, we constantly in the hundreds and hundreds of articles, we are showing people things that they, they, they're constantly admitting that I never knew that. I never knew that. Is that in the Bible? Yeah. It's out of the mouth of Jesus himself. I've read the Bibles three times. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's because when you read the Bible, many people, when they read the Bible, they read it in the dark. And of course some people will say, no, I had a light on when I was reading. I had a real good light. <laughs> no, that's a metaphor. Bible is full of metaphors. The people weren't actually sitting in dark rooms. But they were sitting in darkness. That's what Jesus says. They sit in darkness. Because they don't have eyes to see. They don't have ears to hear. So we go through things like the prophets, like Zephaniah, so that you get a chance to hear and to see what other people didn't tell you. Now, you should still test what you see from us, what we say. You know, First Thessalonians 5.21, I think, verse 21, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. That's, that's a really good advice. But how do you know what is good? Well, you need that light. Well, that light doesn't come from me. I can give you all kinds of information. But the light comes from the Holy Spirit. How do you draw the Holy Spirit? How do you draw near the Holy Spirit? Because you can't really manipulate the Holy Spirit. He listeth where he wills. But you can do things that will allow you to be drawn near the Holy Spirit. And like I've said, I'm sure somebody will argue this, but the the Holy Spirit is a metaphor. Well, actually, it's it's really a Holy Spirit. It's not so much a metaphor, but it's a descriptive phrase referring to the Spirit of God that is from above. You know, when you're born again, it's not born again, it's born from above. That's the actual Greek is saying born from above. Except in Peter, he actually uses the word that means born again. But uh, that's not what most people, they're not born from above. They're born from their imagination and from what they were told. I don't want you to believe because I told you. I want you to believe because something in written in your heart, the Holy Spirit, 
is showing you that this is true. And so you can keep this because it's good and the Holy Spirit is telling you it's good. I can't decide what is good and evil for you. I can talk about it. We can talk about it together. But it is the Holy Spirit. It is the tree of life. That's the that's the metaphor. The tree of life is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. And that is what you should be eating from. That is the light that you need when you read the scripture. It is not enough that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul, or anybody else was inspired in the writing of the scriptures. That's not going to do you any good whatsoever. Unless when you read it, you're inspired with the, by the Holy Spirit. Because that's your comforter. So when I talk about Zephaniah, it is absolutely important that you listen with the ears given to you by the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you draw near that Holy Spirit? Well, start doing what Christ said. And one of the things that Christ said was to sit down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. Organize yourself in this network where there were 5,000 men and their families. That's not 5,000 people. That's 5,000 families. I just put up a web page this week on family. That's one of the essential. This is why social welfare systems destroy social welfare systems by the state, by an exercising authority, by the governments of the world destroys society because they undermine the family. Just look at the black community and the statistics we've shared many times where they went from 3% single parent families in 1900s to, uh, which was just a few years after slavery. Uh, because actually after slavery, a great deal of it was like down to 1.5% on some of the uh, historical records. Of single parent families raising black children. Uh, but now it's 70, 75% of the children are, are raised in single parent families. And that doesn't even include the families that have two parents, but one of them is not actually the parent of the children. The father or the mother might actually be from another marriage, stepmother, stepfathers. This breakdown of the family is the breakdown of society. And the breakdown of society makes government stronger and stronger. Which is why Polybius said when the masses with an appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others institute the rule of force and violence which is the way in which you provide your public schools your health care, your uh, welfare system is force and violence. You force the contributions of the people. Herod tried it. John the Baptist said, no, don't do it that way. Jesus said, no, don't do it that way. In the scripture that this lady reads, but does not understand because she sits in darkness. She's probably not listening to the program. I could give you her name. I just had it here. <laughs> we won't do that. Because it, it applies to so many people. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom.
So, like I said, uh, I've put up a page called Private Interpretation. You can find it at preparingyou.com. But Second uh, Peter one twenty says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. What is he talking about? That means you can't figure it out. You 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 can go read it, that Scripture. You cannot figure it out. You you might come to all kinds of conclusions based on all that preconceived notions and ideas that you got long before you started reading Scripture and then maybe built upon by reading lots of Scripture here and there. But the reality is that none of this is for private interpretation. Does that mean that we should go to a theologian and he will interpret it for us? I mean, the mere letter here from the prisoner that I mentioned is asking about the rapture now. And he wants my opinion on the rapture. And that's fine to have that conversation. But I don't have the time to be answering every single five-page letter that somebody sitting in prison has the opportunity to (laughs) write up and send me. But, uh, and like, I haven't read the whole letter yet. And not like I, I said, I'll save that for the afternoon show. But the, if I even address it again, but... Is this it? Is this, he's just gonna go from one of these modern doctrinal issues to the next that are not doctrines of Jesus Christ, but fabrications of theologians and, and people with way too much time on their hands? No. No. No, we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be going down those roads, at least until we've got the basics of the gospel. Of the kingdom. You know, and in Second Corinthians thirteen five it says, Examine yourself whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. If you're a reprobate, and he is in prison, I don't know why, and got to that yet. I don't know how many people are reprobates, but I know that if you're coveting your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority, if you're desiring the wages of unrighteousness, the rewards of unrighteousness, the rewards of forcing your neighbor to contribute to your free stuff, whether it be taking care of your parents or public education or welfare or Medicare, Medicaid, if you're depending on those things, you're a reprobate. You're not depending on love. You're not taking care of one another through love or charity. You're not following Christ. You've been conformed to the world. What did Romans 12 do when when Paul was writing Romans who they were trying to get to become and look like Jews specifically Pharisees or maybe Sadducees even, or maybe Zealots. He says, no, they don't have to look like them. They have to follow the way of God. That's what he's saying. And he says, and be not conformed to the world. That meant, that word, world there, is the word for age. It's not the word for constitutional order and system of government. But it's the word for age. Be not conformed to this World, this age, this time. But ye be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's repentance. 
thinking differently, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, it is clearly not the will of God that you covet your neighbor's goods. Yet, all these people seeking the wages of unrighteousness, the rewards of unrighteousness, the same phrase is translated both ways in the Bible, in the New Testament. When she reads scripture, does she know what she's reading when she says wages of unrighteousness? That's all the benefits she gets from the world. Meaning constitutional order and system of government. Those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. That that makes her reprobate. She doesn't see that because she reads the scripture in darkness. Matthew 24, 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. John Deal. Matthew twenty four eleven and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Done deal. Now, am I one of those false prophets? Is is Zephaniah one of those false prophets? No. But the interpretation of Zephaniah you might get from other people. The interpretation of Malachi and and uh, some of the other prophets that we've already done. That may be false. And maybe we're false. So you need to check us out to find out whether or not we are. That's why, you know, they wanted to know where I got that article. I said I wrote it. (laughs) They also want to know where I got the information. I said there's footnotes. Some of these articles have as many as a 100 footnotes. Where you can go to, almost all of them have links to other articles that have dozens of more footnotes showing you where we got it. But people who are constantly asking that, and that's a reasonable question, but the question is, is this true? Not where I got it. It's, is it true? Is it telling me the truth about the gospel? Is it telling me the truth about myself? So there are going to be false prophets, and there have been. Done deal. Mark thirteen six. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And that word Christ is in parentheses. I am, what, a prophet of Christ, and shall deceive many. Done deal. Luke 1, 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed amongst us. Now, many of the things that... Now, he's saying that this is a declaration of things that are believed amongst us. Many of the things that Luke writes about Matthew... Well, I should say, Matthew mentions many of the things that Luke never even writes about. That's a more accurate statement, but they don't say everything identical. They they say they emphasize different things. I mean, there are many things in Matthew that he mentions that are considered tenets of our faith that Mark and Luke and John never even mention. <laughs> Very interesting. 
And Luke, but Luke 21, 8 says, And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Again, that's in parentheses. And the time draweth near, go ye not, therefore, after them. Uh, when I say in parentheses, I actually should say in brackets. So it's not in the text. They put it in. So that that right there is adding to the text. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong, but uh, it is adding to the text. John 5.30 says, I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear. I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. So when you read the scripture, are you looking to justify yourself? Or are you looking to find out what the true will of the Father is? Because if you really want to know the true will of the Father, we know pretty emphatically, because it's repeated so many times, we should not be coveting our neighbor's goods. And because in one of the direct statements of Jesus Christ, and found in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, that we should not be going to the governments of the world, the rulers of the world, the men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority to obtain benefits at the expense of our neighbor, because they use force. They use what they call legal charity. Binding charity. Forced charity. That's anti-Christ. That's anti-the gospel of the kingdom. And so, if you don't start getting those things, there's no point of even going into Zephaniah. <laughs> so, that's why we prelude, pre, pre, prelude the study of Zephaniah with some of these things. And then, Second uh, Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given... Is, is also in brackets. All scripture given by inspiration of God it reads much different than all scripture is given by inspiration of God. For one thing, the word scripture there is the word graphe, which just means writings. So as all writings is given by the inspiration of God, all writing given by the inspiration of God reads differently, doesn't it? And is again in brackets, profitable for doctrine. For doctrine. It isn't necessarily doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So if it isn't righteous, and if it isn't taking you to righteousness, and we can go back up to that, you know, proving, uh, you know, I cling to those things that are good, those things that are righteous, then it's to no avail. So, all scripture, remember when Timothy wrote that, there was no Bible. The Bible that we have today didn't come about into existence, even the preliminary existence, until Eusebius. And Eusebius going through hundreds and hundreds of books and literature used by the modern Christians of his time, he excluded it. He chose to exclude it down to 66, which was somewhat reasonable. He's just picking out what he thinks is the most appropriate because a 500-book Bible 
requires, even Arnold Schwarzenegger probably couldn't pick it up. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of any other weightlifters. But uh, the reality is, is, yeah, they had to limit it down to something, but they weren't limiting all of Christians. Oh, you can't read this anymore. That's not scripture. Or this is not scripture. It's just saying that we got these books in this book, which is we call the Bible because the word Bible means book. But it doesn't do you any good to read that book inspired or any other book that might may or may not be inspired unless you are inspired when you read it. So hopefully as we go through Zephaniah, you'll be a little bit inspired. So let's get started in chapter 1 again. We've gone over this once before, but I've added more notes. And basically Zephaniah is this hidden place, which takes us to the prisoner's uh, I'm just referring to him as the prisoner because I don't want to use his name. A <laughs> uh, question about the rapture. Uh, Yahweh has hidden. Yahweh has hidden or protected by hiding. The same as the truth is hidden from people who sit in darkness. So can those people filled with the light be hidden from those people who come from the darkness. Can you see in the darkness? Can can you be filled with light and see by a different light so that you know where to be and therefore you will be raptured wherever you are at. You will be safe wherever you are at. You will be protected wherever you are at because the light of God is in you. Because that's how, you know, if if he's, if God, that Holy Spirit is to help you interpret every word that you read, whether it's in scripture or anywhere else. Every sign you see, everything that is around you, that Holy Spirit can guide you to safety. So anyway, that's Zephaniah. Is this, this protected because you are hidden. And so, this is why there's so many layers in Zephaniah because it was written to hide the truth to, except to those who are reading it with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read it to you, but are you going to hear me with the Holy Spirit? The word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah, this hidden place, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume all things from off the land saith the Lord. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. Again, the word beast, and I've added to our sections on Genesis. When you see the word beast, it's from a word that means living thing. It doesn't necessarily mean beast. It's not always translated beast. It's often translated life. Consume all man and life. That would be a different meaning, wouldn't it? It's the same word. I will consume the fowls of the heaven, the the birds, or the things that fly, and the fishes of the sea, the things that live in the sea, and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. So the stumbling blocks will be consumed with the wicked, and I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. And that's... Uh, in the King James, that's capital, all capital, L-O-R-D. So that's Yahweh. 
I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place, and the name of the Chemarims and the priests. So this word Chemarims and the priests, it's, this has to do with idolatrous priests. And the remnant of Baal has to do with the error of Balaam, which we see in the New Testament, which is the error of the Nicolaitans, the way of the Nicolaitans, the deeds of the Nicolaitans and the error of Balaam are the same. They equate them in the New Testament as the same thing. And that has to do with idolatrous priests. And like we said last time, those idolatrous priests are your Congress, your Senate, your Social Security office, your welfare office, your your public school, school board, all these things, because they're all based on the ways of Balaam and Nicolaitans, which is to force the contributions of the people. And the people go back into bondage because they are greedy for gain. They say, let's all have one purse. Let's force everybody to give equally. Let's leave nobody behind. Let's uh, engage in our covetous practices because we have an appetite for the dainties of rulers, men who exercise authority. And, and Proverbs tells us if we do have an appetite for those benefits provided by force, we should put a knife to our throat because they serve deceitful meats and we will go back into bondage. So, if you don't understand that, you don't understand the first four verses of Zephaniah. So, you can see, if we went into so many churches, they would say, well, that's ridiculous. I didn't see that when I read the Bible. That's because you read the Bible in the darkness. You don't read it in the light. But it goes on in verse 5, And them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and that swear by the Lord, and that swear by Malcolm. When we last read this, I said I would have to do a little bit of a study on this so that I can bring you to a little bit better knowledge of this. This Malcolm, or Milcom, which is the the Hebrew letters Mem, Lamad, Kaf. Uh, it's actually uh, Mem, Lamad, Kaf, Mem. Uh, it, it says it's the God of the Amorites. And that, uh, and it's translated a couple different ways, but you find it with a couple of different letters, but Malcolm and Milcom and, and, uh, etc. But it is associated with Molech. Now, you remember Molech. He was this God where people gave their children to Molech. Handed their children over to Molech. And, of course, all this is done deal already. This, this Mem Lamad Kaf Melech, or Mem, this Melech, of handing your children, that we also see be it Mem, uh, Lamad Kaf Mem, which be it has to do with household. So, but everywhere, everywhere in the world today, never before have we seen this in our history. That may have existed somewhere, but we haven't seen it in our history. 
is that your children belong to the state. That's that's why they're vaccinating them. <laughs> uh, they, they try to be careful sometimes in their rhetoric, but they say the children belong to the state. You know, in Title Eight, Section 15, you can read it for yourself. Parents Patria. The state has authority over your children. And now people fight back, but if you really want to fight back against this, you need to go the way of Zephaniah. You need to sit in the light. You need to see yourself. You need to see the mistakes you're making. I see these people going in front of school boards and saying that we want it done this way. We want it done that way. And they're very courageous and very outspoken sometimes. More power to them. But they should give more power to God and realize that you don't want your kids in that school anyway. Because the that school is based on the idea of forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. And that that does not draw you near the Holy Spirit. It actually draws you near the tree of knowledge and away from the Holy Spirit. And the closer you are to the tree of knowledge, the more you depend upon the tree of knowledge, the more likely it is that you will be deceived. So when they, so now we've talked about the Nicolaitans and Molech and, uh, and Balaam. And, uh, you know, we've only gone a short way down into these verses of Zephaniah. And, so this is why I gave you all that prelude to understanding Zephaniah because this is an age-old problem that goes back in our our ancient history. Except for now we've done it on a worldwide scale. And most modern Christians have conformed to the age and say, well, that's the way we do it now. Verse 6, And them that are turned back from the Lord, which is all those people that are not doing it according to the ways of the Lord, they're not doing it according to charity, they're not taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, they're taking care of one another through Moloch. And they have cursed their children with trillions of dollars worth of debt. They, they have turned their back on the Lord. But he says, and them that are turned back from the Lord and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God for the day of the Lord is at hand for the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guests. Now, you know, I could go into all those words like sacrifice, his guests. If you're not go, if you're going the way of Balaam, if you're going the way of the Nicolaitan, which are the deeds that God hates, this judgment, this day of the Lord that they talk about, is built into creation. There's no escaping it. You're you're over in this realm where it's coming, whether you like it or not. Now you can repent with that renewing of the mind. But you, your repenting is not simply a mental choice. It's a spiritual acceptance and that spirit renews the mind. You can't renew the mind. You're not that smart. 
But the Spirit of God moving in you can renew the mind, and it begins with sacrifice of your own. He says, hold thy peace. You're going to complain about the bad things coming. You may even blame them on God, but they're coming your way because you've rejected God already. You you worship at the men at the tables of the men who exercise authority. That's where you go to get your wages, your rewards, to the men who exercise authority, who take away from your neighbor. You're not doing what Christ said. You're not following Christ. You may go to church, you may sing your songs, you may read the Bible, but you're not doing what Christ said. If you're not living by faith, hope, and charity, if you're living by the men who exercise authority, you should be in bondage. You should be under tribute. Maybe you should be in prison. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have to make those choices because I'm not, I'm not working in that world. I'm just saying this is inevitable. In verse 8, and it shall come to pass in the days of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, I find myself, uh, as I go through this, that I want to expound upon certain things even more uh, on the page itself and give you more and more links over there on the side panel. And I will be doing that as we continue to go through that so that uh, when people in the future come and are looking at Zephaniah, and what we've put together here, the work that we've done here, uh, to try to give you an insight into what people previously were completely missing, uh, that uh, they will have the proof before them to help them with their unbelief. But ultimately, again, like we say over and over again, it's the Holy Spirit in you that where you will start to humbly realize that we've gone the wrong way. We've rejected Jesus we do not worship Jesus in our churches. We are actually making other priests our uh, our ministers. They're the ones who take care of our impure religion, which is based on force. So as I was just reading before the break in verse 8, And it shall come to pass in the days of the Lord's sacrifice... The Lord's sacrifice is different than the sacrifice that people have been making to the rulers of the world, the gods of the world, small g gods of the world. And he says that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. This strange apparel, it's like strange women, it's like the whoredom. You see, you don't go to church to take care of the needy of your society. You go to the government. And we know the government exercises authority. And the government only gives you what he forcibly takes away from your neighbor. That's all contrary to both Moses and Christ. And certainly contrary also to Abraham who would not even take a buckle. This is repeated over and over again throughout scripture. Yet people miss it. How can they miss this? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. 
But they say, I go to the church and I feel the Holy Spirit move me and I wave my hands and I speak in tongues. and But they're not actually following Jesus. They're not actually doing what Christ said. It's emotion. The Holy Spirit is not an emotional experience. Verse 9, in the same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. That's what all your welfare programs are. You leap on the threshold of your neighbor and you feel your masters, your rulers, your kings, your presidents, your prime ministers, houses with violence, with force, taking away from your neighbor, lying to them. Like, well, we're going to put this all in the Social Security Trust Fund. There is no trust fund. There never was a trust fund. This is ruled over and over again. Everybody thinks, oh, all this COVID information is so deceptive and they're censoring us on Facebook. It's just a continuation of what you've been doing to yourselves for centuries now. It's gotten worse and worse in the last 50 years, but this deception wasn't invented by Fauci (laughs) or, or Facebook. I don't want to pick on anybody in particular. Self-deception is one of the greatest problems. Verse 10. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate and a howling from the second and a great crashing from the hills. Well, hills are generally people. Fishgate has to do with where something flows through. And uh, if there's a gate, there's a fish net, and something flows out of that net. And there's this noise of a cry and howling that has to do with uh, the, um, you know, the you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we see in verse 11... How ye inhabitants of Mektesh, for all the merchant people are cut down. All they that bear silver are cut off. So what are they talking about? Mektesh. The merchant people are cut down. Now remember he said he was going to go after the princes and the kings and etc. And now the merchant people. Who are the merchant people? Well, the Canaanites. That meant merchant people. The traveling merchants of the earth that we see in Revelation. Merchant people. What are the merchant people? We've written about this a lot of times. Abraham, the merchants of men in uh, the book uh, Thy Kingdom Comes. The, The merchants of men are the men who make you merchandise. They turn you into human resources. This is what we see going on is that they're turning you into human resources and now you can howl. Why? Because you've been cut off from living by faith, hope, and charity. Mektesh is this flow of this force. Your, your faith is cut off. 
I, I could probably put a little study in there on the word merchants too, so you can you can see all the letters and understand. But the merchants, the merchants of men, I'll put a link in there for merchants of men. So as I edit this show for release on our podcast, I'll have all this stuff hopefully in place by then. Verse twelve, and it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles. And punish the men that are settled on their lees. That say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. They don't believe in God. They don't believe that there's that, that we live in a cause and effect universe. But he will search Jerusalem with candles. What is a candle source of light? Little light. And punish men. That are settled in their lees. Therefore their goods shall become a booty. And their houses a desolation. They shall also build houses but not inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards but not drink the wine thereof. What is he talking about? Is your labor won't belong to you. Done deal. Your houses won't belong to you. You'll have a legal title, but that's only an apparent title that carries with it no beneficial interest. If you want to keep using it, you have to pay them. You have to pay rent. Some people are paying a thousand dollars a year. Some people are paying twenty thousand dollars a year. Depends on where you live. Like in New Jersey, you could pay twenty thousand dollars a year to stay in the house that you built. <laughs> And if you don't, somebody else will be living in that house. They will remove you. You're already booty. You're already human resources. Done deal. It's going to get worse, but it's a done deal. Verse 14, the great day of the Lord. That's when the cause and effect takes place that they denied in the previous verse. That, or actually two verses before. That the Lord will not do good and neither will he do evil. They deny the cause and effect of the universe. I, I just heard from a guy in Australia who was talking about the problem, he says, is the fact that rent is so high that the poor people can't even find a place to live. I said the problem is that you, the problem is that you live in a welfare state. He says, no, we have a welfare state here in Australia and it's doing great. <laughs> he has no idea the repercussions that come with a welfare state. So I went and beefed up our page on welfare state. You can go find that at Preparing You. And it, it was originally the roots of the welfare state. And it shows you how it destroys. Of course, Polybius was saying this 150 years before Christ even came along. Plutarch was saying, but you know, Plutarch wanted to remove all the gold and silver from the population and, and issue iron coin, or actually in many cases, clay coin. That, and that's eventually what they did, and of course, Amodius of Wheat, like I said, went from six denarii, which is like six dimes, to 120,000 denarii. Of course, there's no more silver in the denarii. You know any countries that have been that stupid? Done deal. <laughs> Already happened. 
All right. In other words, time is running out. Stop playing around that you actually know what the Bible says and start doing what Christ clearly said. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That was verse 14. In case you weren't following along. Verse 15. The day is a day of wrath. A day of trouble. And distress. A day wasteness. And desolation. A day of wasteness. And desolation. A day of darkness. And gloominess. A day of clouds. And thick darkness. Twice he mentions darkness. Because you sit in darkness. You read the scriptures in darkness. Verse 16. The day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced city. The walled in camp of the golden calf. And against the high towers. The men who set themselves up above you. Why? Because you look to them for their dainties. For their benefits. FDR, LBJ. These are the guys who are ushering in your destruction. Yet they're long dead and buried. The cause and effect universe still plays on. And the day of the Lord is when that reckoning comes for those choices your parents and your grandparents made. Now, you can go and blame them, but that does do you no good. That just, you're just playing God. You need to repent, think differently, and start doing what they should have done. So that you can find your Zephaniah, your hiding place. Verse 17, and I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because They have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Now, there will literally be a loss of blood. There's no two ways about it. But already your blood is being poured out. The truck drivers, everything is being taken away from them. That's their blood, their sweat, their toil. Now, they may have some victory, but if you do not have victory in Christ, they they have more coming. There's more to their plan. This is a stall action on the part of, I mean, because there could be a cyber attack. There could be a crunch on the banking system. People have no idea how bad it can get. Verse 18, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. So you need to have your Zephaniah. You need to have your hiding place. And I'm not talking about a physical place. I'm talking about a protected place. And that is found in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is found if you seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the Holy Spirit will find you. So, in chapter 2, Gather yourselves together. Yea, gather together, O nation, not desired. 
before the decrees bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. This is automatically, automatically these things are going to take place. God is not like, oh, like, let's see, it's Tuesday. I need to go and smite the people of earth. <laughs> it's built in. It's automatic. You've already been coveting your neighbor's goods. You've already been making Moloch more and more powerful. You've already have a generations and generations of the deeds of the Nicolaitans and the error of Balaam. And the stumbling blocks now have the power. Your mountains of Samaria are filtering the information so that your neighbor doesn't even hear the truth. So this Zephaniah, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, gather yourself together. Well, gather yourself as Christ commanded that you gather yourself together. In the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. And for what purpose? For a daily ministration of the Eucharist of Christ. Of the free bread of Christ, of the care of Christ for one another, which should come only in a way that strengthens the poor. And what strengthens the poor more than humility? What strengthens the rich more than humility? And how is humility exercised but through sacrifice? Where you lay down your life for your fellow man. Verse 3, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, humble of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. Again, the word meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Hid. Isn't that what Zephaniah is? Hid. What is the word hid there? The normal word for hid is semak tav resh. But here we find Tov Samak Tov Resh Bav. What is that all about? Twice they have the letter Tov in this word. The letter Tov is the letter of faith. Double faith. What is a double Tov? What, what does that look like in the Hebrew? Well, I'll just leave that secret for later. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Well, why? Well, you need to be gathering together and living by faith, hope, and charity for a change. For Gaza, the strong, that's what Gaza means, shall be forsaken. And Ashkelon, the fire of infamy, shall be be weighed. That's I have there in brackets so that you can see what those words mean a little bit. A desolation that shall drive out Ashdod. What is Ashdod? The powerful. So what are we seeing here? The strong and the powerful at noonday, you know, kind of you know, high noon. Uh, the Akron shall be rooted up. I should put in the meaning of Akron there so you would see that as well. But you think you're going to do this with your own strength, your own preparedness. No, you are going to need a spiritual preparedness. Verse 5, Woe unto the inhabitants of the sea coast, uh, sea of sorrows, that's 
actually what that sea coast means. It means the Sea of Soros. The nation of the uh, Cherethites, that means executioner. There will be nations that are used to execute this destruction upon you. But they only have power because you've been rejecting the worship, the true worship of God and been fake worshiping in your churches while you actually go to these preachers, these priests with strange garments, strange apparel, which that apparel is the apparel of forcing the contributions of the people. Then it goes on, the word of the Lord is against you. O Canaan, what is the Canaans again? The merchants, the merchants of the earth, the land of the Philistines. I will even destroy thee that there shall be no inhabitant. Now, all these prophecies of Zephaniah had to do with things back then, but they're expressing principles that are built into creation. And since we have been going the way of the Nicolaitan, we have been incurring the cause and effect that we see taking place in Zephaniah. The sea coast, again, the Sea of Sorrows shall be dwellings and cottages. Uh, that word cottages is also translated cisterns for shepherds and folds for the flocks. So if you take on the sorrow now, if you start being what Christ talked about in reality, then there will be another accounting for you because you will be in that hidden place. You will need that hidden place. The coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. Now, they have the word there, not sea coast, but just the word coast there. So what does that word mean? I should put in some more notes so you can... Because everybody wants to know proof. They want to see this. They're talking about this Eshkelon. This fire of infamy shall be weighed. it's it's going to come everywhere. But if you have a hidden place, a hiding place, a protected place, and I don't know where that is for you. The Holy Spirit does. But you need to listen to the real Holy Spirit and not your imagination. Because your imagination is what got you here. You have been worshipping idols. You've been worshipping the idols of your imagination. If you did not know And I think that many of you may have had inklings of this, but you didn't go that way because the world led you away. That there's something wrong with the way everybody is doing things. And now we're showing you that it leads to destruction. You need to start listening to that Holy Spirit that you forgot about when you were a little child or a young man or a young woman and started to go this other way. You need to go back. This is what repenting is. But you can't conform your mind to God. Only God can conform your mind to God. What you can do is do what Christ said to do. Which is sit down the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. Start taking care of one another through a daily ministration of the Eucharist of Christ. Through free will offerings. Just like John the Baptist said. Take care of one another. In coats and meats and whatever you guys need in a way that strengthens the poor. 
Shall they lie down in the evening for the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. So yeah, you are at human resources, you're in captivity, you've gone the way of Baal, you've followed on the stumbling block of the Nicolaitans, and now you're merchandise again and your children are cursed. But if you turn around and become the charitable uh and accept the the sorrows of that sacrifice of righteousness, God will relieve you of your captivity. Everybody's going to be free. Everybody's just not going to survive freedom. I have heard the reproach of Moab. Moab means of the father. And the revilings of the children of Ammon, the tribal. That's what Ammon means, tribal. Whereby they have reproach my people and magnified themselves against their borders. Now, their people, that that could be people who didn't want to get vaccinated. <laughs> could be. That's not an exclusive thing. But certain people, and I found this amazing, certain people did not want to get the vaccination no matter what. And they never thought that way before. And they can't even necessarily, they try to look up for reasons and explain why they're that way. But uh, the same as there have been people who didn't want to take the benefits of the system. And, and they homeschool. There's, a, there's another sign. Might be. They might be a Christian. Uh, they, they saw a problem with the world and the way the world did things. And they didn't want to do things that way. And so they're thinking outside the box. But there's a lot of people who don't have those signs that may be willing to repent in the 11th hour. And I think we're like at 11.55 maybe. <laughs> I don't know. The time is running out and that's kind of what we've been seeing here in Zephaniah. Warning you that the clock is ticking. Whereby they have reproached my people. That The, the people, we I see this for sure. There are people who... You know, I want to say, you know, the pandemic of the unvaccinated, which is absolutely unscientific and ridiculous. Uh, that all the variants are coming from the vaccinated, etc., etc. Uh, the unvaccinated are not hardly spreading it. It's the vaccinated who are spreading it. But let's go into the churches. The churches have been lying to you. Now, I admit that many of these pastors were deceived. I don't, I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not condemning them. That's not my job. But I'm saying they're not telling you the truth. If they're saying it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through government, that's a lie. If they're not seeking to provide a daily ministration through faith, hope, and charity alone, they don't want to practice pure religion. That Religion has got a real bad name because people don't realize what religion is. They had to change that definition and we show that. But that just leads to more and more deception because, again, it's all layers upon layers of deception. Verse 9, Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab, that's that father, shall be as Sodom and the children of Ammon, the tribe, as Gomorrah, even the breeding of nettles and the salt pits and the perpetual desolation, the residue of my people shall spoil them. And the remnant of my people shall possess them. Not because we're so clever. 
But we have to be his people. And if we're not taking care of one another in pure religion, in a daily administration of pure religion, we're not his people. If we're not doing what he said, we're not his people. And we need to repent and turn around and go the other way. So we're up to verse 10. This shall have, they have their pride. This is the problem. People don't want to admit that they're wrong. But anyway, we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom after a brief break. And we'll see if we can get through the rest of this chapter and maybe into chapter 3. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And so we're going to try to finish up at least this chapter of Zephaniah. And uh, as usual, I'm altering some of the page as we (laughs) go along so that it will become clearer. Because I can hear... I can hear you people thinking like, oh, I don't get that. How is that? And uh, so anyway, I try to make it, uh, take the notes, but I'll, I'll go through it all again as I uh, edit the broadcast. But uh, I want you to understand that nothing is new under the sun. That that Zephaniah, who was listening to the same Holy Spirit that was in the other prophets and then... Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Peter. And the solution is the same, and the problem is the same. It hasn't changed. Cain created the city-state. Nimrod created Babylon. They did it by offering benefits, and people signing up, and waiving their God-given right to choose, so that they could have Nimrod as their comforter. But having the Holy Spirit as your comforter, that's a little bit more faith. That's real faith. You don't see the treasury of the Holy Spirit. Christ talks about it. Not the treasuries of the world, which all your treasuries are empty. Your gold is not going to save you. Your golden calves, your silver, you don't even have it in your pocket anymore, which is where Moses told you to keep it. And it's certainly not in Fort Knox either. And the people who have control of it have no interest in loving you because your system doesn't operate on love. Your system operates on power. But people are too proud to see it. They think, oh, well, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix the public schools. Oh, we're going to fix the welfare system. Oh, we're going to fix Social Security. Haven't we ever heard that? You're going to fix the Federal Reserve too? Ah, well, we need to get rid of the Fed. And replace it with what? You haven't even sat down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. You're not taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. You're not walking the ways of Christ. I don't want to get rid of the Fed with you as my host. Uh, besides, that's not my job to get rid of the Fed or insurrection. My job is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the people have not been doing that. And their pride keeps them from admitting the truth of that. So we see in verse 10, this shall they have for their pride because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts. Now, the people of the Lord of hosts are not all the people in the churches who think they're following Christ, but are not. And I'm giving you evidence to show you that they are not following Christ. Verse 11, the Lord 
will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth. Those, uh, I don't even have a link to that. I should put that as a link too. I'll, I'm reminding myself <laughs> to do that. All the gods of the earth, the men shall worship him, every one from his place, even all the isles of the heathen. Now, everybody, uh, they say, they talk about everybody will worship God eventually. Well, that's, people don't understand the word worship. Worship has to do with recognizing. You see, if you really recognize Jesus Christ, you'd be doing what Christ said. That, and, and what you would be doing would be evidence that you really recognize Christ. And that you really worship Christ. And the reality is everybody's going to have to worship God. In other words, everybody's going to have to recognize God. <laughs> is God. Now, they may not admit it. They may go to their grave denying God. But they in the great day of the Lord, where the cause and effect takes place, they're going to realize, oh my God. <laughs> uh, my plans, the best laid plans of the new worldwide reset have run astray. Of course, uh, like many people, they'll blame it on everybody else. You know, that was not real communism. That's why it failed. <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that uh, it's all about coveting your neighbor's goods and exercising authority over your neighbor and forcing your neighbor. It's None of it is about loving your neighbor. And, of course, like the guy from Australia who was saying... You know, we have social welfare here and it's doing great. Not realizing that all the problems, all the inability of Australians to stop these mandates comes from the fact that they have broken and dissolved the social bonds that connect a free society, which is found in the welfare system of that free society. And if your welfare system is based on force, you are not a free society. And you will degenerate into a society that can't even get away with not wearing masks or not getting an injection. And you deserve it. That's that's the destruction you deserve. Now, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying if you didn't care about your neighbor in a universe of cause and effect, why should you expect your neighbor to care about you? If you think it's okay to force your neighbor to provide you with what you want, it should be absolutely okay that your neighbor forces you to provide you with what you want. And of course, since you all live in darkness and nobody sees the light, well, this is what you're going to get. And, and I'm, I'm not against protests and all that stuff, but if your protests are not accompanied by repentance, it's just complaining. And nobody's going to hear you. Nobody of any importance is going to hear you. Verse 12, ye Ethiopians. Who are the Ethiopians? Also, ye shall be slain by my sword. Well, Ethiopians, that would be like 
Cush. Uh, they're going to be slain by a sword. Why them? Why do we pick on that? Well, I'll have to add a footnote because nobody will believe me if I just tell you. We're running out of time. And he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. We've talked about Assyria and there's actually a link there to Assyria. And will make Nineveh desolation and dry like the wilderness. And I have a link so you can go and study a little bit about Nineveh. So you can understand that Nineveh is not just a place. Assyria is not just a place. Verse 14. The flocks shall lie down in the midst of her. And the beasts, that's those living things, of the nations, the beasts of the nations, the life of the nations, both the cormorant and the bittern, shall lodge in the upper lentils of it. That's interesting. Why the cormorant and the bittern lodging in the upper lentils, that's the upper uh, headboards over the doorways of it. Their voice shall sing in the windows. Desolation shall be in the threshold, for he shall uncover the cedar work. Now, If you haven't figured out all these words are symbols of ideas. That's what uh, Johnson, who made the first dictionary, said. Words are symbols of ideas. And in Hebrew, that even means more. So if you look at the letters of the word cedar and the, uh, the letters of the word cormorant and bittern, and you may find some of this message. Now, that's not as important as sitting down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. Because that's just intellectual knowledge and information. And like I say, you can go into this deeper and deeper and deeper and see all the connections. But it's very clear this is a cryptic message that is being given. And you really had never, no matter how much knowledge I give you about it, you're not going to understand it unless the Holy Spirit dwelleth in you. And the Holy Spirit will not dwell in a selfish person. The Holy Spirit will not dwell in somebody who rejects the basic teachings of Jesus Christ. The basic teachings of Moses, to love thy neighbor as thyself. The basic teachings of Abraham. I will not take a buckle. I will risk my life to save my nephew who went the wrong way. Verse 15. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly, that said in her heart, I am and there is none beside me. How is she become a desolation? The city said, I am? Isn't that the name of God? I am that I am? The rejoicing city. You know, the Hebrew word for city actually means terror. (laughs) Something to be afraid of. The city has to do with being bound together. Become The city has become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down in. Uh, and again, that word beast, that's life, to lie down in. Lie down in for resting 
Everyone that passeth by her shall hiss and wag his hand. At what? At their desolation, at their destruction. You're all in the city now. Even if you move into the country, we're still dependent upon the city. It's everywhere. This is what's so unprecedented in history. So, we have a little bit of time to get into chapter 3. Let's see how far we go. Woe to her. Now, this chapter 3 is the wickedness of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is supposed to be Jerusalem. Double peace. We'll go back to that double tov. You don't get double peace until you get the double tov, the double faith, in spirit and in truth. Lots of people tell me they believe in Jesus, but in truth they're going the opposite way of Jesus. So that's not Jerusalem. Those are not Israelites. Those are not Christians. Those are fake Christians who step halfway across a chasm, which, like... You know, Wiley Coyote, we know where that will end you up. At the bottom of the chasm. So the wickedness of Jerusalem. Woe to her that is filthy and polluted to the oppressing city. Again, city, that binding legal system. Oppressing, why? Because it forces the contributions of the people. That makes it filthy and polluted. Because it's not operating by faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. So all your patriotism and, and love of country. Now, I'm not against America. I'm not a, even against the United States. I am for the righteousness of God. And if you're America, if you're United States, since FDR and LBJ have gone to become the, the oppressive city, then I don't care what flag you fly, you're in a lot of trouble. Woe unto you. She obeyed not the voice She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. Capital G God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bones till the morrow. This is where you're at. And you you say, well, this leader roars too much. This wolf bites too much. But you have broken the social bonds that could have had you stand against the wolves. The wolves, when a wolf attacks a single person, they surround it. The guy who bites you will bite you in the butt first. He's not going to attack you front on. If you have four or five people, you can face out outward like the muskox. And then the wolf, loses. he wants to break the herd. Well, the herd has been broken. You're a scattered flock. And uh, I use muskox, but I could do sheep as well. They gather and the, the, they face outward, willing to face danger. And the coyote can go all the way around. And they, you know, rain sheep, they're not going to break the herd. And if the shepherd's not far away, <laughs> he can put an end to the, the drama. Her princes within her are roaring lions. That's where you're at. Because you've elected them. All of them. All of the princes you've elected. 
they have worked together because they all work in darkness. Here, uh, her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law because they force the contributions of the people. You're not going to create the social bonds of a free society by forcing the contributions of the people. So the guy in Australia, your social welfare is not working great. Well, it actually is working great. It has weakened the people. (laughs) Because that's what it was designed to do is to weaken the people. Not strengthen the poor, but weaken the poor. And divide the poor and the rich. And make them enmity with each other. The same as now they want to also, and have been for a long time, dividing men and women who have been fighting together for their survival for century upon century. But now we're all enemies. And now all men are oppressors. And all women are victims. All blacks are victims. All brown people are victims. Uh, when did the white people get to be victims? Of course, the, like like I said, there were more white people sold into slavery in North Africa than there were blacks sold into slavery in the United States. <laughs> so, go go figure. Everybody forgot that. The it doesn't have anything to do with black and white. It has to do with righteousness or not righteous. The just Lord is in the midst thereof. He will not do. Iniquity. Every morning doth he bring his judgment to light. He faileth not, but the unjust knoweth not shame. That's you guys. That's the people of the world. I have cut off the nations. Their towers are desolate. I made their streets waste, and none passeth by. Their cities are destroyed, so that there is no man that... There is none inhabited. This is, this is where we're headed. That's not quite a done deal yet. In spirit it is. But in reality it's not. But it will come. I said, surely thou wilt fear me. Thou wilt receive instruction so their dwelling should not be cut off. Howsoever I punish them. But they rose early and corrupted all their doings. Well, that's up to you. Uh, there are, there, we're, we're sharing the instructions of God, which are right there before you. They've been there all along. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to write me another long letter? Or are you going to sit down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity? Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Unless, of course, you found the hiding place. For then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve them with one consent. Now that language is the language of the Spirit. It's from above. But we're pointing out the 
fallacies and falsehoods of the language that everybody has. You know, like the meaning of the word religion, what the Sabbath means, what the fringe on the garments, what the breeches were. Uh, and we have articles up on that. So you can see that it is through language that they have deceived you. Verse 10, from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Again, there's that word Ethiopia. What does that mean? Well, we'll have to look that up. My suppliants, even the daughters of my dispersed shall bring mine offering. So there's a dispersed. I mean, the truth, I believe the people who can hear this message are all over the world. In every race, in every Every nation and every, even in every religion and denomination. But they need to come together. They need to start, because that's, and they need to start acting according to the deeds of righteousness instead of the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Verse 11. In the day, in that day shalt thou not be ashamed for all thy doings wherein thou hast transgressed against me. For then I will take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoice in thy pride, and thou shalt no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. I will also leave in the midst of thee an afflicted and poor people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. So there shall be an afflicted and poor people who may not see everything, but they trust in the name of the Lord instead of in the name of the powers of the world. They will not be looking to the powers of the world. The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion, about, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgment. He hath cast out thine enemy, the king of Israel, even the Lord in uh, the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. Now this is... This is not a done deal yet. It is a done deal because of the fact we live in a cause and effect universe. But you need to repent and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness according to the directives of the king, Christ, who was Jesus, who showed us what to do, but we have not been doing. And that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, the double peace, Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Now, there's a lot more to that and what that how that will unfold you will not believe <laughs> but hopefully you'll be there to find out what that is but uh, I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee uh, to whom the reproach of it was a burden the, yeah you have to 
the, those will be gathered who are sorry for what they've been doing wrong because they admit what they've been doing wrong and they have tried to do what is right and accepted the burden of righteousness because there is a burden. It's small compared to destruction, but there is a burden. There is a sacrifice. Behold, at that time, I will undo all that afflicts thee, and I will save her that halteth, that halteth, and gather her that was driven out, and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. And that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise amongst all people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. In order for this to happen, it will only happen with those people who admit they were wrong, repent, and start thinking the right way, Start living by faith, hope, and charity at all sorts of different levels of your life and seeking the ways of God and His righteousness. And the best way to do that is to sit down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands and start contending with what has previously been a selfish life. And this is what we're trying to share with you. So we actually got through Zephaniah. Now, there's there's more, and we'll refer back to these things in Zephaniah. There's side panels here. But have we tr- trusted in oppression or righteousness? Are we trusting in the rewards of unrighteousness or the riches of the Spirit? Till, till we meet again, peace on your house, and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.